0: to isaiah chapter 11 we've been in a series on isaiah and we're coming into isaiah 11 and 12 are so hopeful so i hope you catch a sense of that today and with all the negativity and bad things that are happening hope you catch a sense of the hope uh, today and i'm going to read verses 11 through 9 to you as we look at the very character and qualities of our savior in depth and how he gives us hope even during times like this so let's look now isaiah 11 1 through 9 hear god's word there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, we thank you for the good news of where things are headed. Even though this world looks out of control, convince us and remind us that not only are you in control, there is a wonderful plan of redemption that we are participating in the middle of, and we pray you would get the glory. So renew our hope today, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. I received an email this week that won the award for the best subject line of that email. And I want to give the sender of it credit to say they came up with this on their own. So it wasn't one of those emails that just gets forwarded because, you know, as as soon as I see FW colon, it's just delete. Do you do that too? So this was real heartfelt. Yeah, that's where your email went. This is real, <laughs> heartfelt angst from a real individual. This is the subject line of the email. Are you ready? Here's what it said. Our country, our leaders, our youth, our family heritage, our judicial system, our government, our corporations, our rule of law and order. That's what the subject line was. And I kind of I walked you know, saw that and I was like, well, is, is there anything else to add to that? I mean, that's pretty comprehensive of what's going on in our world. There are concerns for our country, our leaders, our youth, our family heritage, our judicial system, our government, our corporations, our rule of law and order. I mean, maybe you're thinking, oh, I could, I could add to that subject line but certainly there are we're in a state uh, in a in a cultural moment in history where there are things that are uh, going wrong or not going as we would want them to go and i just want to remind you that that's descriptive of all of history that perhaps we've enjoyed particularly good times where there has been a recognition of law and order right and wrong But we have now left that behind. And what do we do? I mean, what are you hoping in? Are you hoping we're going to somehow go back in time and recapture that which we lost? I would say that, uh, yeah, ain't going to happen. Where is our hope? And we would say here at this church, and especially if you have faith in Jesus Christ, we would say our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in Jesus. And what I want to do this morning and show you from Isaiah 11, well, I want to put some more meaning into that. So yes, the Sunday school answer works this time. Where's our hope? It's in Christ. Yeah, but what does that mean? Specifically, how do I apply that when I see discouraging, disappointing, depressing things happening in our world well the first thing i'm going to show you here from isaiah 11 verses 1 through 3 i'm going to show you that jesus is the perfect israelite part of why we hope in him is the fact that everything that isaiah commands jesus does perfectly he does it perfectly i mean let's rehearse for a moment where is the nation of israel at this time well so far in isaiah we've seen that they have false worship not only idolatry but they also go through the motions and in going through the motions think they can authentically worship god so there's idolatry there's false worship there's out and out sin in terms of not taking care of orphans and widows and there's issues of justice there in society how they are running things There's trust in other things and uh, earthly alliances that they uh, desire to make to protect them. Instead of looking to God, looking to these other alliances. So, all of this comes, we come to chapter 11 with all of this in the background, everything that Israel has done wrong, and we meet the one who's the perfect Israelite. And we're told here in verse 1, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and we don't necessarily think that is anything earth-shattering, but it is. It is because it's a communication of the gospel. That God is working his plan of redemption. Nothing can thwart it. He is sovereign and providentially powerful enough to do what he has said he will do, and out of the stump of Jesse, because remember here, if we think of Israel like a tree god is going to cut down the tree he's going to cut it down with his judgment they certainly deserve it by the way but he's going to cut down the tree but out of this dead tree will come forth a shoot and this is meant to uh, point to the savior jesus christ who would come now this isn't the first time we encounter this imagery Back in Isaiah chapter 4, verse 2, we read, In that day the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land shall be the pride and honor of the survivors of Israel. The idea here is it looks like death, but God brings life out of it. Society can look like it's headed to the trash can, but God can bring life out of it because this is the gospel way. Think about it for a moment. A Roman instrument of execution and death becomes the source of our life. God works in this counterintuitive way that we couldn't make up if we wanted to on our most creative day. He works in this way as a demonstration of his power so that we can only give glory, honor, and credit to God. And out of this shoot from the stump of Jesse, it's Jesse's stump because that's the kingly line that Jesus is born in as Jesse is the father of David, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. So there will be fruit from this branch that comes forth, and we are part of that fruit as we live out the truth of the gospel. And we see in verse 2, Jesus, is the perfect Israelite, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. He'll have wisdom, understanding, counsel, and might, and he is going to perfectly fear the Lord. Do you see that at the end of verse 2? And then verse 3, his delight shall be the fear of the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord, that's that important Old Testament concept. It's not that we're afraid of God but it is that out of reverence and respect for God out of awe in who he is we obey and we follow him and Jesus does that perfectly so his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord and then look at this in verse 3 and this is good news for us because especially if we see injustices happening in society and we do the good news is Jesus's judgment is going to be true it's going to going to cut through all this he shall not judge by what his eyes see at the end of verse 3 or decide disputes by what his ears hear so Jesus is able to cut through perfectly all the noise to the truth because the spirit of the lord is on him and he acts and maintains himself perfectly perfect ethics perfect righteousness because that's what it took to atone for our sins we need that righteousness so out of death comes life and this is a distinct feature of the gospel message Uh, Tracy and I my wife Tracy and I we were traveling last summer and we were in Vancouver think Pacific Northwest and we went to famous place Lord Stanley Park and they had this gigantic stump old growth forest so we're talking redwood sized if you've been to Sequoia National Park you know what I'm talking about it's just incredible Uh, beauty, but it was a stump. It was old growth, and they had cut it down. Somewhere, someone along the line cut it down, but because of the temperate climate there, what happened? On top of this stump, a huge tree was growing. Now, we might not have categories for that. You know, the the most you'll see around here is a live oak sucker. Where do those suckers come from? You know, coming up, that's that's all we get but it's still a vision if a tree is cut down that there will god is able to bring life out of death and this points to the truth of the gospel and here's the thing it shows us the nature of the gospel how unlikely it is that life is brought to us through the death of jesus christ and it's meant to be remarkable that we might give praise and glory to God as we fear him alone. Now, think about it for a minute. This, this very much has to do with the gospel because good Christianity, brace yourself on this one, good Christianity feels like death sometimes. Oh, what do I mean by that? Well, think about it for a, for a moment. Good Christianity feels like death because it involves death to self what i want or what i need and anytime need is extended like that you have to look out right right parents need what i want is not as important as what he wants and so this is the nature of the gospel in that when i don't get what i want it can feel like death but it's actually life that god is giving me as i put the priority on his glory. So, Christianity involves death to self, death to what we want, and only God can do this. And just by way of application, why don't we engage and talk about this more? That Certainly, we just had Easter, but we're still celebrating the resurrection and life from death and how even for many of us who are here were living in death and were delivered unto life this is the gospel way this reversal that happens and life coming to us through the one who made perfect atonement for us everything israel doesn't do jesus does perfectly and he saves us through our faith in him So Jesus, the perfect Israelite, we hope in him. Second reason to hope in Jesus is his perfect judgment. And this is in verses four and five. We read in verse four, but with righteousness, he shall judge the poor. Now the poor are those who don't have options. They're the vulnerable members of society. And even though they're vulnerable, what we're told here is Jesus rightly, judges them he does right and well by the ones who are most vulnerable he takes care of them the way righteousness is used here it's not so much an attribute but it is really an attribute that's known through action and the action of Jesus on behalf of and for the sake of the poor is perfectly just that's what's being communicated and he decides, and I'm sorry, I'm going to use a bad word here. He decides, verse 4, with, with what? Bad word. Equity. We're going to come back to that. We're going to come back to that with the application. So start your deep breathing exercises now. Because I'm talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. So start the deep breathing Uh, now because we as christians have to be able to navigate the world as it is not the world as we wish it would be and so this word is being used here in the english translation it is a good translation by the way jesus decides with equity for the meek of the earth who are the meek of the earth they're the ones who don't speak up who don't assert themselves and what we're told here is we can have with confidence that jesus is going to take care of us that he's going to take care of we don't have to assert ourselves because jesus will make the way level that's what equity means making the way level and we just sung opening our worship service that the valleys are going to be lifted up and the mountains brought low this is the gospel action of the righteous judgment of jesus and so he'll decide with equity for the meek of the earth deep breaths and he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. Notice this. This is a warrior savior. And that's a reference John picks up on in Revelation nineteen fifteen. the sword coming out of Jesus's mouth. Jesus is able to be our warrior and to fight the battle on our behalf. We don't have to fight. Jesus will do it for us. And so notice here, he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and the breath with the breath of his lips he shall what? kill the wicked. That's the end of the wicked. They are going to be judged, punished and killed. We want a savior. I hope you want a savior who yes, perfectly meek and lowly but also the warrior savior who defeats all his and our enemies for the glory of God. And so this imagery, uh, the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked, that's 2 Thessalonians 2.8. Righteousness, verse 5, righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. It, it's a com- way of communicating he's ready to go. The Savior is ready to engage in battle for the glory of God and to protect his people. And certainly Israel needed a warrior because you think about these, the Assyrians coming in and the looming battle that would happen. They're threatened by an army, but Jesus is the greater warrior who can defeat all his and our enemies. Now, when we talk about Diversity, equity, and inclusion, because that's, that's the topic. I mean, if you're in a professional company, uh, this is something you're maybe dealing with every day. And the first step is, um, I like to call it diversity, inclusion, and equity. So it spells DI. Diversity, inclusion, and equity. That's the first change. And I want to talk to you about this because this is a biblical word used at least five times in our in the English Standard Version of the Bible in the Psalms, and it's usually used as descriptive of God's judgment, being fair and lifting up uh, those who are meek and taking care of His people with good right judgment. That's how it's usually used in the Bible, and you can do a a search of the English Standard Version of the Bible uh, for that word equity. And, and here's the thing, here's the thing. When you think of diversity, inclusion, and equity, I want to say this is a meta-narrative false gospel that has been put forward while Christians are asleep at the wheel. We're asleep at the wheel, and what's happened is these words, diversity, inclusion, and equity, don't mean what they used to mean. They have new meaning now. And what I'm offering to you here is the gospel offers a better vision in a better way than the modern woke corporate diversity, inclusion, and equity version. This is a false gospel. This is a Genesis chapter 3 verse 4, we will be like God. Corporations saying we will be like God. Individuals saying we will be like God. And we're going to solve the problems of the world with this new neo-Marxist vision. So you following me? You following me? And so here's how you need to deal with this as a Christian. Because this is really something that's going on in our society. And I think the first way you deal with it, you need to see it as a good impulse if you will a good instinct no one is more diverse no one is more inclusive and no one has a better priority on equity than christians can i get an amen to that oh yes and i'm talking about these words have been redefined but if we define them biblically I mean, don't we have a faith, Revelation 5, 9, that tells us every tribe, every language, every people and nation? You don't get more diverse than that. And so when someone's talking diversity, inclusion, and equity, we need to say, okay, this is a false gospel, a false pathway to some vision of utopia And I don't need to recoil, but I need to step into it and remind people and communicate and have conversations that no one is more diverse than the Christians. That Christianity is a faith that spans every tribe, every language, people, and nation. And I think, too, we need to say that Christianity is more inclusive. Than anything else. I mean, think John three sixteen. For God so loved the cosmos. It doesn't become any more inclusive than that. Think of Matthew twenty, the parable of the laborers, the parable of the workers, Matthew chapter twenty. And what do you have there? You have the boss goes early in the morning and he gets the laborers, and he agrees to pay him one denarius, a fair fair uh, day's wage. And then he goes back at 9 a.m he goes back at noon he goes back at 3 p.m he even goes back at the 11th hour and he pays everyone the same and that is not communism that's not marxism it's meant to communicate whether you come early or whether you come late you don't come by your own effort you don't come you're not rescued in christianity by your own effort you can come early, you can come late. However you come to the truth of the gospel, you are included in God's kingdom. Nothing is more inclusive than that. And as far as equity, who better than the God of the universe to work justice? He who is absolutely holy and unpersuaded and un convinced of what's going on in our world whatever the cultural moment of the day is god is able to sovereignly judge correctly and so my encouragement to you here is when when people when that's coming up to not run away but actually enter into that conversation to stand for the truth of the gospel you know no one's more inclusive than christians jaws drop and just take a deep breath and hang in there relate the gospel in the openness whosoever would come and don't surrender our terms my encouragement to you don't surrender those terms you know to talk to people well what do you mean by diversity well diversity is different ethnicities and people coming together that agree with me Uh, That's not the definition of diversity, is it? And to be able to turn this into a good gospel conversation as you encourage people to look to the only one who will perfectly set all things right. Uh, This is what Jesus' perfect judgment does. It's right here in verses 4 and 5. So we're talking about reasons to hope. Reasons to hope. Even in 2023, yes, reasons to hope. Jesus, he's the perfect Israelite. He has perfect judgment. And then he brings this perfect peace. This vision of peace in verses 6 through 9 is absolutely absurd. It is absurd, isn't it? Look at this in verse 6. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. Oh, tender lamb young goat how delicious (laughs) but what has happened the rule and the reign of the savior through the gospel has changed the very nature of relationships just as we as sinners were once at enmity with a holy God the gospel changes that and so that which doesn't get along now gets along because of what Christ has done the perfect peace that we have models the peace we have with this with God himself through the son and so we see this vision the wolf shall dwell with the lamb the leopard shall lie down with the young goat the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together and then he who is least capable of leading them will lead them because there will be such peace and a lack of animosity. A little child shall lead them. And the cow, verse 7, the cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. Imagine, only the gospel can bring people together changing our very nature because we have peace with god we once were at enmity with him but by faith we have peace and look at this in verse 8 the nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den think back to genesis chapter 3 the threat of the serpent and yet here the serpent's been defeated you know do you ever look if you're Of a certain age, you might look at kids these days or parents these days, and you might think to yourself, oh, I'm so glad I'm not parenting these days with what people have to face." We shouldn't have that attitude. If you impart to your child faith in Jesus Christ, they will be triumphant. How triumphant? Look here. The nursing child shall play over the whole of... The cobra. The gospel transforms our very nature and gives us victory over the serpent. Over the serpent. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. When children embrace the truth of who Christ is, we see the forces of evil be- beaten back, we see the serpent defeated. There is no cause to worry about a future generation when the gospel has transformed and gripped their heart. Such that, look at verse 9. What a positive vision here of the future. So positive, it should give us joy now, give us happiness now. Verse 9, they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. Now, the mountain, think of a mountain, it's big, it's gigantic. That's what's being communicated here. God's kingdom, my holy mountain, he owns it, is big, it's imposing, and it is emblematic of his kingdom. And in that realm, whether it's a serpent as an enemy or anyone else, they shall not hurt or destroy. And in fact, look at it second half of verse 9, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's where we're going. That's where we're going. This is a triumphant gospel that cannot be stopped. It cannot be stopped. The earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Do the waters cover the sea? They do a pretty good job. There's a lot of wetness out there, right? That's what we're talking about. It cannot be stopped. It cannot be defeated. And the victory that Jesus brings, it's a victory through the cross, his triumph over the empty tomb. And it is a victory through warfare, spiritual warfare, that he brings. That takes us back to verse four. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. Jesus brings this ultimate peace through his spiritual warfare that he has enacted peace comes through war the gospel war and the triumph of jesus through the cross and the result will be the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the lord as the waters cover the sea here's the thing is your mind transformed by that message if you drink all week long from the mud puddle of the media are you gonna walk away with that kind of attitude are you gonna come to church and say for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the lord as the waters cover the sea no you've been drinking out of a mud puddle all week This beautiful vision that Isaiah has, this prophetic vision, is meant to give hope in a difficult time in Israel's life, and we can embrace that hope. We need to have our mind transformed by this text that points out where true hope, where true joy and happiness is found. We're not going to get this information from what's going on around us, but it comes to us through God's word as we embrace how the gospel has changed everything for our good and for God's glory. Let's pray together. Lord, how we ask that indeed we would embrace this positive vision of the future. It's a positive vision of the future because of what you have done, And so we pray, give us a wonderful sense of the triumph of Jesus Christ over all his and our enemies, and remind us that we have a faith that transforms our lives and our relationships, and help us to be at peace, and help us to love others who we deeply disagree with and commend the gospel to them. Help us to do that. Today and this week, we ask all for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.